Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is the first of July, 2016. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'll be your co or your uh, host for today. And joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Doug, Erica, Tiffany, and Elliot. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Hello. Hey. We are missing Gabby today, so we uh, we miss her and, and wish her well. And we'll, hopefully, we'll see her next week. Um, <clears throat> so today, our topic is. Uh, bottled water, a surprising tale of waste and greed. And, uh, we, uh, we've had some, some interesting times getting into the research for this show. At first we were mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, bottled water, yeah, maybe, you know, it's, maybe it's kind of interesting. Uh, but then once you really start <laughs> looking into it, it's, uh, it really is, um, a surprising tale. Uh, it's infuriating tale. It is infuriating. <laughs> yeah. We're all rightly pissed off for today's show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, just to give a little synopsis here, approximately 30 billion bottles of bottled water are sold worldwide each year. Um, I remember from the stats that I was reading, it's like 80 million a day just in the United States. Um, it ranks near the top of the list of the greatest marketing scams ever perpetrated on the public. Uh, so, how is it that people were duped into paying premium prices for something that flows abundantly from the earth? or at least just from your municipal water supplies. Uh, Is bottled really any better than tap? Who benefits and who suffers, and what are the environmental consequences of this strange love affair with bottled water? Um, So we're going to get into some of those details uh, today. But first, everybody have their bottle of Dasani on the the table. (laughs) Aquafina over there. I have Aquafina. Aquafina. Ah. Cocktail of (laughs) styrene and benzene and... Phthalates and bisphenol. BPA. Yeah. yeah. Atrazine. <laughs> yep. The bottle of tap water. Uh. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, I think one of the one of the main things here is, that, and I mean, I feel like our listeners are pretty savvy, so most people probably at least have a, a cursory understanding of this. Um, but <clears throat> I remember when I first heard about this it was uh it was kind of a surprise for me it was like well i guess i just figured that bottled water is you know at least if it's not distilled it's like purified somehow um but there really is no proof of that um uh, many times a lot of this bottled water that you get is just uh just basically stolen from municipal water supplies around the country and around the world uh rebottled and sold back to you at 1900 times the cost of, of what your municipal water costs. Um, so it really is a, a scam and uh, almost worthy of some sort of Machiavellian admiration yeah. for this. <laughs> yeah, who thought of this? Let's yeah. just take some bottle, some water, and put it in a bottle and sell it to people. Yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners who may not know, it's completely unregulated. Whereas municipal tap water is pretty heavily regulated, bottled water is not regulated at all. And and we'll go into some of the details from these documentaries that we watch. But I think one person at the F- FDA it might all- even be a half person. <laughs> yeah. She's not even doing it full time. <laughs> is uh, yeah. in charge of regulating the quality of bottled water. Yeah. So basically, what that means is the bottle, the water in the bottle. Um, can have anything in it, and mm-hmm. no one really has to regulate and everything. that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was uh, it's pure and natural. Right. <laughs> it comes from a from a spring from a mountain. Yeah. I mean, that's no, just the thing. I mean, they put companies they... have been doing is trying to demonize tap water and trying to emphasize how pure and natural bottled water is and pushing people away from tap water like they're getting a better product. Yeah. It's all such marketing. It's unbelievable. I mean, they put yeah. pictures of mountaintops and things like that on the bottle. So, you know, they call them things like Fiji and all these like these mm-hmm. idyllic kind of images of, of this pure water. When really they're just like, you know, down your street, taking it out of the, the hose. You know, it's it's like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was uh, the last time I stayed in a hotel in California, they had uh, Fiji water in, in the hotel. And of course, you know, you usually pay a little bit more for stuff that's like in your room. Um, but I remember the bottles of Fiji water were for, I think like a 16 ounce bottle. It was like 12 bucks. <sighs> yeah. That's unbelievable. That's more than you so, would pay for a gallon of gas. <laughs> yeah. Is. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. Silly amount more. Uh, yeah. And uh, with Erica, what you mentioned about the FDA, the uh, I think the interesting part of that is that the FDA really only regulates things that cross state lines. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these companies can manufacture, well, manufacture, they can pull the, the water out of the ground and bottle it in the same state where they're selling it. So they just set up bottled water facilities in each individual state, sell it in the same state, and it's uh, completely legal as far as the law goes for them to do that with no regulation. They have no requirements to issue reports, quality reports, anything like that. Um, so they can put whatever they want in there and sell it. And according to the, the laws on the books, there's no problem. Unbelievable. But that's not even the worst of it. Um, yeah. Do tell. Let's, uh, and let's it actually start. is, bottled water is more gallon than gas. It is, guy. yes. Yeah. And they're calling it the next empire. Yeah. yeah. And well, they're in there, you know, I would dare say even, um, you know, there are other things contributing to this issue of, of water scarcity, but I think this has a lot to do with it. They're actually causing the problem. Uh, by yeah. draining aquifers, uh, draining groundwater supplies, uh, diverting towns' municipal water supplies. And that's in the United States. Um, that's not to mention what's going on in uh, in third world countries where, uh, you know, they're basically just like totally screwing the people that live there and stealing their mm-hmm. water. It's, yeah, isn't, it's isn't water like the third biggest international market now? It comes behind yes. oil and then it comes behind one other thing, which I can't remember. Electricity. Ah, electricity. Yeah. And then, and then the next is water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a market now. But yeah, and it, it should be. I mean, ideally, and I don't even think this is sort of like a hippie socialist ideal to say that water should just be available to everybody because it's the, the one thing that we need for life. I mean, you can live longer without food than you can without water. It's our, our main thing, you know, it should come uh, as a package deal. When you're born, everybody's allowed to have all the water that they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At Why no is cost. that so difficult to stomach for some people? Well, the United <laughs> Nations declared that it, access to clean drinking water is a universal human right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you can make so much money off of it. I mean, you know, I'm not arguing this point, just playing devil's advocate. You know, if you're, uh, if you're, uh, 
you know, corporate uh, board member or a, or a stockholder. And I would hope there'd be less psychopaths among the stockholders than there would be on the board, but you never know. <laughs> that, you Keep know, hoping, when, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when profits are at play, you know, everything's on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's start off with a little clip from uh, one of the one of the research things for our show was this book Bottled and Sold, uh, which is a book by a guy named Peter Glick, and we have a short excerpt from an interview that he did on Coast to Coast AM. Um, we'll we'll do that. It's just kind of an overview with an interesting story in it, and then we'll get into some of the other details afterwards. We're talking with Peter Glick, author of Bottled and Sold, the story behind our obsession with bottled water. And here, here I am, uh, Peter, looking for the conspiracy angle always. But it used to be that there were drinking fountains on the street. You could walk down the street and there'd be a drinking fountain. You could get a drink of water. I'm thinking now of the Las Vegas Strip. There are no drinking fountains, but we do have a lot of homeless people with coolers who sell bottled water for two or three bucks. Is that part of the, the equation? Well, without a doubt, it's become more and more convenient to buy bottled water and harder and harder to find a water fountain. I, I tell a story in the book about a football stadium built by Central Florida University in uh, yeah. 2007. And they opened this. They had never had a football stadium before. They're very proud of their football team. They opened the stadium big game in September of 2007. And the stadium, it turned out, had been built with zero water fountains. And in that very first football game, uh, 60 or 70 people came down with heat stroke, uh, 16 or 17 or 18 people went to the hospital because they ran out of bottled water. So they couldn't even buy bottles. They couldn't even buy water. And, uh, it's a good example of disappearing water fountains and the, the lack of convenience for public water. Is that just uh, municipal governments not want to, wanting to pay for them? Or, uh, do we see the dark hand of the bottled water companies involved here? Well, I don't, that's a great, that's a great question. I've found no evidence that, uh, you know, the way the auto companies sort of bought up and made the trolleys disappear or public transportation disappear a hundred years ago. I haven't found any evidence that, uh, the bottled water companies, the beverage companies are making our water fountains disappear. But if there's a listener out there with that evidence, I'd love to see it. Let's talk about consequences of this. I use the example of Fiji water. It seems to me I remember reading an article about the effects on Fiji from all this water being taken out of there. Are you familiar with that part of the story? Well, Fiji water is a very high brand water. It's very expensive water. It really comes from Fiji. Uh, it comes from a groundwater aquifer, like about half of the water that we drink comes from groundwater aquifers from springs. And uh, there are consequences to over-pumping groundwater. Groundwater levels drop in some communities. Uh, I don't know if that's been a problem yet in Fiji, but, of course, there are other environmental problems with shipping water halfway across the world. Um, but there are communities where big bottled water companies have gone in and they've built bottled water plants and groundwater levels have dropped and people's wells have dried up. That That is a problem if if the bottled water companies aren't careful, if their only interest is pumping the water out and turning it into a commercial product. We, we have seen problems like that. What about consequences of using so many plastic bottles? I've seen the ad. I'm trying to remember what it's an ad for, a, a water filter, I think, uh, where they line the bottles up and they go around the planet. I mean, this is a heck of a lot of bottles, most of which have to end up in a landfill somewhere. That is a big problem. Um, one of the reasons bottled water, I think, took off is because of plastic bottles. Plastic bottles are incredibly convenient. They're lightweight. I mean, imagine if all of the, the bottled water we drank still had to be packaged in glass. 
It, it probably would never have happened. But plastic is light. It's unbreakable. It's transparent. It's it's uh, it doesn't impart a taste to the product. It's in general, from a food point of view, it's a good idea. But from an environmental point of view, it's a disaster because it takes a tremendous amount of energy, petroleum, to make these plastic bottles. In fact, every time you drink a bottle of water, you should imagine that if that bottle was was filled with the oil that it took to make it, it would be a quarter full of oil. It takes a quarter of a, a quarter of a bottle of oil to make that plastic bottle alone. So there's an energy cost, and then as you point out, there's an environmental cost, and we throw these things away. It, you know, it'd be one thing if we recycled them all because they are, as the industry likes to tell us, recyclable. But that's different than recycled, and we don't recycle many of them. We only recycle about 25 or maybe 30% of them, and the rest end up in landfills or, or streams or by the side of the road. So <clears throat> that's Peter Glick kind of giving an overview of this. And what I think is interesting about his point of view is that he's actually very tame on the issue, and he ended up writing a book about it. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> He doesn't even touch on the worst, like, you know, saying that the, the bottled water companies are not necessarily behind the legislation around water is totally false. They really are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, saying that the, the plastic containers are okay for food, but bad environmentally. They are bad environmentally, but they're not okay for food. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues, and we have a a clip that we'll play later that gets into this as well, but... Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he was actually rather tame on the issue uh, and that he ended up even, you know, writing an expose on it. Um, it's uh, it's really something. Yeah, even with his tameness, it's still outrageous. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the figure of, uh, like I was saying earlier, it was uh, 80 million bottles a day uh, in the U.S. are sold. And so figure about... Uh, I think 25% is a conservative estimate of those that actually get recycled. Um, you know, the, that's, you're still left with, uh, you know, between 50 and 60 million bottles a day that are mm-hmm. going back into the environment, um, in, in, into landfills, certainly a good portion of them, but also a lot of them into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and those, we'll that this, that, that was in 2009, those <laughs> yeah. statistics. Yeah. And that, Erica, you had you had a little doubled. story for us about the sorry about that gyre in in the Pacific Ocean. You said that your your grandfather had actually seen it. Yeah, it's um, the size of Texas hmm. in the Pacific Ocean. So there's several gyres. There's one in the Atlantic. Uh, there's one in the Indian Ocean, and basically um, the size of Texas of plastic but also up to a mile deep in the ocean. And it's, you know, you ask, because my grandfather's 96, and he predicted many years ago that we would pay more for water than we would for gas, and unfortunately Mm. he was correct. (laughs) But he said that it's, um, you know, before the show we were talking, well, could you walk on it? It's it's not necessarily a solid landmass of plastic, but it's uh, microplastics and ocean debris and, and can go down a mile deep. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's we have some pictures on our uh, on our page, our show page, that kind of gives our listeners a, an idea of what it looks like. 
and how it's just massively polluting the earth and it never biodegrades. It doesn't break down. I mean, sometimes like I wonder what is the plan? Um, you know, do these guys who put this plastic, who produce this plastic and who put it into the ocean, like, do they actually have a long-term plan for this or are they just doing things as they come along? You know, like, is this is this landmass um, of plastic? Is this just going to continually grow until the point where, you know, like all of the ocean is covered with plastic? Like, I mean, what what are they going to do with it? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't think they do have a plan. They just do what it's what is in them to do, which is to basically steal and take everything for themselves and make profit, and the consequences be damned. Yeah, And exactly. I think it will get to the point, Elliot, like you said, the whole ocean is going to be covered in plastic bottles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's not even like, like Eric was saying, you know, it's not even like whole bottles and whole bags, although they, those do exist there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it breaks down, but it does not biodegrade. So it, it breaks down into smaller and smaller particles, which then is actually, uh, you know, more uh, dangerous. Of course, whole bottles and bags are very unsightly, but I think that the the dangerous part of this is that you can't see these small particles. Um, they retain their plastic molecular structure, but they do get very small. And so then they're ingested by fish and sea life. Um, they kill off a lot of wildlife. And of course, they're consistently um, leaching their their toxic um, constituents uh, into the into the water. Yeah, and the water companies completely absolve themselves of responsibility. Like Peter Glick said in that clip we just played, the bottles are recyclable, but what, maybe 30% of them actually get recycled? Most people don't recycle, especially if, if you don't have curbside service. So they spend all this money and energy in making all the plastic bottles, which pollutes the environment and the runoff pollutes the water, underground water. And then when they're done, they you, you get a product in a bottle. It takes you like a minute to drink it if you're really concentrating. <laughs> and they take all the bottles and they ship them over to some country like India and they pollute their country with our used bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can attest to that. I mean, I spent a, a long time in India, and the um, the amount of plastic that is, um, you know, that covers the whole environment in India is absolutely astonishing. I mean, it's it's a beautiful country, but it's just it's almost been completely ruined by the fact that there is there is um, plastic bottles, plastic bags, um, just rubbish everywhere you know it's like it's like these these companies have basically found like um you know these third world countries or these developing countries as you said tiff you know they 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 just lump all of this plastic onto them and then you have like uh you have villages and you have like uh shacks and 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 sort of rural communities that are just basically living in plastic you know Mm -hmm. like they're just surrounded in plastic and it's like that in africa as well it's Mm -hmm. it's really saddening to see yeah, well, thinking about the the plan, Elliot, like you mentioned, I'm kind of with Tiff on that. I don't think that there is a plan. I think that, you know, it started with somebody had the idea and said, well, hey, you know, we should sell water back to people. This is the goose that lays the golden egg, and let's let's do it. Um, and then it just went from there. And, of course, you know, where, 
like here's a statistic from bandthebottle.net um, talking about bottled water facts that I thought was kind of interesting. The recommended eight glasses of water a day, uh, you know, whatever the daily recommendation is, at uh, at normal U.S. Uh, rates for what tap water costs equals about 49 cents per year. So you could drink, you know, even and, you know, tap water is nothing to write home about, but you can filter it. Um, <clears throat> so even if you filter your tap water, you're spending about 50 cents a year drinking the recommended amount. That same amount of bottled water is $1,400 per year. Mm. So 50 cents to $1,400. And that right there, I think, is the impetus. You know, people are, are, are buying Maseratis and, and 12-bedroom homes off of this. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting and you say the whole can eight- actually afford it. Yeah. Americans it- can afford it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the eight glasses of water a day because it's, it's, I remember, um, reading something and it was a while ago and unfortunately I can't remember where it was, but there was somebody who was actually questioning that. And there's a lot of evidence that actually that whole thing about you must drink your eight glasses of water. And I noticed that that number keeps on going up too. For a while there, it was always, oh yeah, two liters a day. And now it's like three liters a day. And, you know, that goes up. It probably will go up to like, you know, 15 liters a day at some point. But uh, apparently that, that, that totally comes from marketing, that that wasn't, you know, there was no study behind that that said, yes, you know, the, the person needs to drink on average two liters of water per day. That, could, that is all just built from marketing, um, behind, mm. probably behind the push for, for bottled water. Probably, yeah. And, of course, they demonized tap water. Um, that was all part of the whole um, marketing scam as well, that um, they made... They've, they've kind of put out this this idea that um, the water coming out of your tap is, um, you know, dirty and disgusting and impure. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of tap water myself. I know that there's a lot of things in there that you don't necessarily want to be drinking. But, uh, you know, it, we can always filter it at the, at the, the end point. Um, there's a lot of problems trying to get uh, water to, um, you know, if you have water just kind of coming out of your tap you know it has to come from somewhere so yeah they you know chlorinating it is probably a good idea to make sure that there's um you know no kind of biological products in there but um you know you can always filter it you can always do there there are steps that you can take and you can spend all that money instead of spending it on bottled water turn around and spend that on a filter um and then you you're not you know spending these you know lining the pockets of these evil corporations yeah, I mean, if you're spending you know, fourteen, if if you're spending fourteen hundred dollars a year on bottled water, I mean, you can spend even at the high end, I would think like two hundred, maybe three hundred dollars on a really nice filter yeah. for your house, and that's going to last you like twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the the ironic thing is, is that a, a lot of the bottled water that's been tested is actually been shown to just be tap water. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so all of this money that's spent on the water, uh, these people are unknowingly just buying tap water that's been bottled. Yeah. But it's got a picture of a mountain on it, Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, for instance, um, there's the Aquafina brand, which mm-hmm. is, I think it's really big in the States, uh, but that's owned by the Pepsi Corp- Corporation. And, um, Late last year, I think it was October 2015, um, they actually had to come out. They were forced to come out and admit that the, um, the, the this 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 
water that they've been advertising is this spring water with mountains and everything like that um it was simply just tap water that they just stuck in bottles and they sold for like 2000 times the price you know <laughs> yeah yeah and there's no evidence that they are filtering it that they're cleaning it at all so yeah you know well one of the yeah, things that's very it telling it's clear <laughs> One of the things is that's very, well, it's funny. I was just going to mention the transparency of their process, <laughs> the, but one of the things that, that, that makes it very, you know, that should set up red, red flags for everybody is how non-transparent these companies are about where the water is coming from, you know, what process they're using to filter it, all that kind of stuff. Like that kind of stuff, that kind of information is not easy to get from these companies. I mean, what are they trying to hide? You know, if it is just mm-hmm. coming straight out of the tap, then why are you paying for it? So it's it you know if you if you have difficulty trying to find out you know exactly what is behind the process that the these bottled water companies are going through, then I'd say don't drink it. In corporate terms, it's called a trade secret. Uh, yeah, that's reassuring. You know, what, what the hell is wrong with getting your own glass bottle, your own stainless steel bottle, and carrying your own water with you? Why is that totally. so difficult? Totally. Yeah, it's not so inconvenient. Yeah. Tiffany is hard though. It's it's really hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fifteen dollars for a reusable bottle? I'd rather just buy Aquafina every day. Well, speaking of marketing, Nestle tried the same trick with breastfeeding. They said breastfeeding is not healthy. It's not good for you. And they got all these women, especially a lot of women, third world countries, to switch over to. Uh, baby formulas with disastrous mm. results. So oh, this is yeah. just the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, well, let's, uh, if, if you guys are down, let's do a, another little clip here. This is from the documentary Tap, to which I really highly recommend our listeners uh, check out. You can just look for Tapped on, on YouTube and you'll be able to find it. Um, but we have a, a short clip here. It's about three minutes uh, just talking about like the um, the companies taking uh, municipal water for their supply. Every day, America's largest bottled water corporations, Nestle, Coke, and Pepsi, pump millions of gallons of water from the earth, bottle it, ship it, and sell it back for 1,900 times the cost of tap water. bad for the environment, it's bad for public water systems, and it's bad for taxpayers. Communities across the country are uniting in a fight to maintain ownership of their water supplies. You will be exposed, you will be recalled, and you will be replaced if you do not do your duty to the people in this town. If you live here, and you're responsible to us, not to this corporation. From town hall meetings to courtroom trials, activists are disputing the rights of corporations to sell their town's water. The World Bank places the value of the world water market at $800 billion. That's a huge amount of money. So you can imagine why these huge corporations are salivating over getting into the water market. It's all about the control and ownership of water. If we can't win this battle here in Freiburg, if we can't win it here, then the rest of the United States is going to have a very difficult time winning.
the issue of climate change has added further impetus to these issues in terms of where does our water come from? Is it going to be there forever? This is a, a, a problem that uh, every single person is going to be dealing with in the next 20 to 25 years, regardless of where they live in the world. Last year, there was a drought in uh, 35 states. When you consider that water supplies continue to be dwindling in certain areas because of changes in the global climate, it becomes imperative that we do everything that we can to protect freshwater supplies for the use by the general public. When private entities have a claim on public water supplies, uh, you run into a, a real collision of uh, moral values against the narrow profit concerns of corporations. You know, in North Carolina, it's hard for us to get used to thinking about dry, parched, cracked earth. But indeed, that was what we were looking at. Things were getting very bad. And by winter, um, it was terribly grim. One of the ultimate ironies was that Pepsi was, of course, continuing with its bottling plant operations. And this was at the height of the drought. They were drawing over 400,000 gallons a day. Bottling municipal water that then they were selling back at the very point we were running out of water. I thought it would make common sense to put a temporary halt on that plant. And they would not stop doing it. So, yeah, these companies are, you know, not not accountable. Um, I, I, I think uh, there was, I think it was a different part in Tapped, or I'm not sure where I heard this now, but uh, the argument that, that there there is an argument to be made for using bottled water in, like, disaster relief scenarios, and that makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Like, you got to get a bunch of water into people who need it quickly. That makes sense, but that is such a small fraction of what is actually the industry um that if that's really all we were doing with bottled water was like disaster relief uh it it essentially wouldn't be a problem and then there's the unfortunate circumstances of these small villages all around the world where corporations have come in and totally poisoned the water supply and they have no choice but to buy expensive bottled water and they don't even have two pennies to rub together Right. Or when they can't afford to buy it, like in uh, South Africa, Uh how they, uh, you know, the World Bank comes in, puts this infrastructure, puts a tap up, you know, we're going to give you clean access to water. They can't afford it. So the women and children go down to the stream and continue to drink the water in the stream and contact cholera and Uh other, you know, diseases because they cannot afford to use the tap. And I was really happy to hear that there were some men in certain villages that would go around with pipe wrenches and actually open the pipes up and just take the water back. Yeah. (laughs) Well, also in that segment that you played out of Tapped, and we really recommend our listeners check it out, uh, one of the men that was talking there used to work uh, for the government under the Clinton administration or something, and he made this quote by Mark Twain, 
which was really interesting. I'd never read it before. Whiskey is for sipping and water is for fighting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking it- of fighting, they mentioned in that clip about um, Freiburg yeah. in Maine. They were fighting against uh, Nestle, and it turns out that they lost, which is not good news. So they, I think they the town with their corrupt governor, who was totally in the pocket of Nestle, they granted them a right to take as much as 603,000 gallons of water every day and they have to pay a whopping twelve thousand dollars a month for the right to take the the town's water wow just printing money (laughs) yeah it's really disgusting yeah that's yeah twelve twelve thousand a month i mean that's not even pocket change for a corporation that size they they don't even think about that and that's just one town that mm-hmm. Nestle takes water from. Yeah. Yeah. And I it think doesn't that's seem to matter. Like how much protesting that people do, activists that get killed off, you know, people pleading for justice, you know, pleading for compassion all over the world and nobody ever listens. They just come in and they just shit all over everybody. Mm-hmm. Excuse my French. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the maddening parts about this. I mean, one of, you know, there are many, obviously. Uh, It's not just the fact that the the plastic bottles are actively, not hypothetically, but actively destroying our environment. Um, But just that these guys are, they have got such a clearly obvious scheme I mean, this is a straight-up snake oil scheme, and it's mm-hmm. it's obvious. You don't really even need to explain it. You could tell a kid this, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, they're they're cheating you," <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, like you said, you know, you can protest and protest and and you know, write letters to congressmen and blah blah blah. And uh, with you know, that's it's not going to change until I I guess I don't know what could actually change this. I mean. Um, if you could cut off the money supply, like hit them in the wallet mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, yeah. If, maybe if, if people would actually what? stop buying bottled water, but I, I think but that's I it. Yeah. Like I think, I think what, what really needs to happen is a change in public perception. You know, right now it's uh, the convenience and the, the kind of fashion of, of having this kind of bottled water in your hand or something, you know, it's a status thing to be drinking a finer brand of, of bottled water. I think that that has to change like the, that, you know, people start seeing, uh, people drinking bottled water for what it is being incredibly lazy and wasteful. And, uh, you know, once, once that perception changes, maybe people would stop buying it so much and you would start to see a decline in these, these kinds of behaviors. Yeah. I mean, your, your protests that they're, they're not going to appeal to these guys, compassionate nature, you know, like you have to understand that these guys display serious psychopathology. Like there's no amount of protesting and, you know, like, please, you know, this is destroying the environment and it's really unhealthy and all of this stuff. You can say that as much as you want, but, I mean, these guys clearly don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't care about anything else other than profit. So I think the only logical thing to do is to hit them where it really hurts, and that, that would be financially speaking. But, I mean, the logistics of something like that, you would have to have, like, a worldwide protest 
and an embargo almost on bottled water. And that's not going to happen anytime soon. So I don't see how there's any um, likely thing to happen in the near future that is going to stop these guys from doing what they do, unfortunately. Yeah, it makes and me this think. Like, is another you... scenario that's kind of unlikely too. I mean, a lot of people like to stick it to the bad guys. You know, they want to see the little guy win. But part of you know having a successful boycott or something, you have to know who you're dealing with, and you have to know about psychopaths. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Mm. So exactly. you know, if a lot of people knew like these corporations are psychopathic. If you really want to get back at them, if you want to take away your energy and starve them or hit them where it hurts, you have to know that they are psychopaths and this is the only way that you can kind of defeat them. But I don't think that's going to happen either. Yeah. It's like when you consider, you know, human behavior, um, I hate to say this, but we're not going to, you're not going to just go around and tell people, tell your friends about this and have them stop buying bottled water. Most likely. Um, mm-hmm. because for one, it's just so convenient and people are going to go for convenience no matter what. Um, so the other thing that makes me think of is like, like Doug, like you said, some kind of an embargo, um, you know, or Elliot, did you say, um, but you know, some, some kind of like at the state or national level, uh, restriction on this, but also that's not going to happen because the corporations, uh, lobby and you know, they make too much money off of this and the politicians that that make the policies are in their pocket. Um, I, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, short of like some guerrilla action where you could like print these statistics out and just tape them to all the cases of bottled water that are in your yeah. grocery store, you know, when the manager's not looking. <laughs> but, <laughs> I've thought about that kind of thing before or on subway ads <laughs> or something like that. Just put stickers on subway ads that give the facts. Yeah. Well, I, in you know, the app documentary, too, they talk about how it's this idea of absolute dominion and mm. that they're setting a precedent, you know, with these these small Nestle going into small towns like in Maine and in Michigan and California. And, uh, you know, knowing that water is a basic human right. But when when you start commodifying water and making it for profit, you know, necessities of life, it's it's that's where it's starts causing major instability and we mm-hmm. just we we kind of see it but yeah i mean it's completely well, mind-boggling it's kind of like when did this happen how did humanity allow this to happen like water is the you know it's a natural giver of life you know it's like it, the most basic necessity of anything you know and it, it's just as I said, it's completely mind-boggling that you have a group of people who think that they can somehow take ownership of that, mm. and how they how they go to other countries, like for instance Bolivia in 1999. Um, these I don't know exactly which water companies it was, but it was um, Bechtel. Ah, okay, yeah. Well, they essentially um, they privatized the water, and it was the World Bank. Um, the World Bank basically said to Bolivia, "Look." We're going to cut off your water development loans if you don't privatize your water. And so the people of Bolivia were literally given no no choice, you know. And then from then from then onwards, like, they had to pay for their water. Um, and it's it's just pretty frustrating to see how this can, this can go on, you know. Well, they, didn't they even outlaw the collection of rainwater? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, in some states, yeah. And that actually started in 1999, mm-hmm. and it was it was in the township of Cochabamba. And if our listeners are interested, you can see a segment on that in the the documentary, the corporation. But this, the citizens came out and fought, and it got ugly. I mean, the paramilitary and tear gas and, you know, but it took eight years for them to fight it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. once they win with this whole water thing, they're going to move on to air next. I was yeah. thinking the well, same thing. charge you to breathe. Yep. Yeah. And to yep, answer yep. Elliot's question of when did this start, um, for our listeners who may not know, back in uh, 1997, the World Water Council was created. And basically, the idea was to promote corporate takeover of all water. Mm-hmm. And it was big corporations like, you know, the World Bank. And, and they basically had these meetings that was deciding how they were going to privatize all the world's water. Yeah. One of our chatters just said Colorado recently legalized collection where previously it was illegal. <laughs> so I, I guess that's good, but I, that's just something. I mean, sure, okay, it's it, it it is good on the face of it, but the idea that they would either make legal or illegal the collection of rainwater makes me so incensed. And I'm not like an angry yeah. person, but it makes me so angry. It's like, screw you. You have nothing to do with whether or not I hold out a bucket and collect some rainwater. I don't <laughs> yeah. yeah, who know, even go, thought of legislating that? Water falling down from the sky. Yeah. No, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs yeah. to the state. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, it belongs to the state. <laughs> it doesn't belong to you either. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I like, mean, in in these meetings and stuff, like you were just saying, Erica, you have all of these big water companies and governments and stuff. They have all these meetings and conferences and everything, and, and they use all this jargon like, oh, yes, our aim is to, um, you know, promote um, clean water for everyone on this planet. But they don't mean any of it, you know. It's all just – it's like a facade. It's like they use all this this language to, to project this image that, you know, they're like philanthropic philanthropic you know they really care about humanity but actually these conferences what they're all about is how they can destabilize different countries water systems privatize it and then make money off that Mm -hmm. and you know like i i grew up you know watching tv adverts on the tv talking about um you know like africa um different countries in africa and you know other places in the world where they find it difficult to um to find clean water and a lot of the reason why they find it difficult to find clean water is because the water systems have been so um they've been completely destroyed by the byproducts of you know certain manufacturing and water systems and sewage and everything like that and it's 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 a direct byproduct of the activities of these corporations who supposedly say that they are um aiming to provide clean water to everyone it's 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 completely hypocritical you know, and it's it's like there's this statistic. Um, the the United Nations estimates that it would cost um, an extra thirty billion internationally to provide safe water to everyone on the entire planet. And um, I think it was in two thousand thirteen that three times that amount was actually spent on bottled water. So it's like you know, if we really, really wanted to sort this this water problem out and and provide everyone with clean water, it could be done very easily. 
Mm. You know, it could be done very easily. The problem is it's not profitable. And that is extremely aggravating for someone to see, you know? Yeah. Let's uh, let's take a second and go to another clip that we have from Tapped, uh, the documentary, the um, the clip about uh, bottled water versus tap water, because we had mentioned that briefly, but that would be interesting to uh, to to hear this, and then we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. So on one hand, you had this tremendous marketing muscle, um, and on the other hand, you had a complete absence of criticism of bottled water until very recently. And you didn't have utilities who provide municipal water. They didn't have their own PR budgets. Uh, they had barely enough money to keep their own systems going, so they were in counteracting this onslaught of, of media, print, and, and TV ads. <laughs> Many of the ads implied that the water was healthier for us than tap water. We don't consider tap water to be an enemy. We don't. People typically perceive a difference in taste. I can tell the difference in many bottled waters, just as I can tell the difference between tap water and, and other beverages. You can. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're under oath, but you're... Absolutely. Yeah. We'll give you, I say that with... We'll give you a tongue and exemption now. Bottle water industry does not see themselves in competition with tap water. We provide a completely different product. We provide something that is actually affordable, that is convenient, that is refreshing, that is pure. They use words pure, which implied that tap water was impure somehow. Pure, pure water. Pure, pure water. Pure, pure refreshing water. No, we're a very safe product. Safe, safe, safe. Safe, it is safe, safe, safe. I think bottled water is a safe, healthy, convenient product. They're always saying their product is healthful um, and implying that tap water wasn't. It is much pure, it is much cleaner uh, than many municipal sources. They want to convince people that tap water isn't safe to drink. Again, we, we are not in competition with tap water. Susan Wellington, VP for Gatorade, also owned by Pepsi, says when we're done, tap water will be relegated to showers and washing dishes. I don't. I don't it know. doesn't sound I like she's she's loving the tap. I would ask her. Oh, that's one person's opinion. It's Pepsi's opinion. Okay, it's one person at Pepsi's opinion. In 2000, Robert Morrison, CEO of Quaker Oats, which merged with PepsiCo, said, the biggest enemy is tap water. What does that say? Well, you read the quote. I'm here to tell you that as far as the International Bottled Water Association is concerned, we do not consider tap water to be a, uh, our competition. We do not see ourselves in competition with tap water. Except for these one, two, three, four, five people at Pepsi. Many bottled water companies are careful not to disparage tap water because of their reliance on it. In many cases, bottled water is simply municipal tap water. Basically, these companies are taking our water and selling it back to us for a profit. And we think that we're getting something great in return. That doesn't really seem like you're getting your money's worth if you're simply paying a very high premium to get what you could be getting out of your tap. In doing my research for the article, I went across the street to a food court and over two days asked probably 15 to 20 people that I found drinking Dasani water in the food court, you know, do you know where this water came from? And none of them did. When you buy Aquafina, 
or you buy Dasani water, it's basically your tap water. You're buying water that could come out of your tap and paying a thousand times the price for it. I think what is the case is what you are getting is pure, refreshing water. That's what they would have us believe. And that's what the labels would have us believe. Is it misleading to have a mountain on there when it's coming from the municipal tap? Again, I would, I would let you pontificate on that. Despite the mountain range on its label, Pepsi's Aquafina, as well as Coke's Dasani, are both bottled from tap water and not from a natural spring. Only after mounting public pressure did Aquafina agree to print the words public water source on its label. The mountain range remains, and Coke has yet to include this information on Dasani labels. So uh, there's just more kind of expose there on how they're taking municipal supplies. One thing that crosses my mind is like wrap your head around the number, uh, the, the profit increase. Like, so, okay, if you, you get something at a, at, a, at a local store and then you get it online as a hypothetical example and you see that online it's half the cost, you're like, wow, okay, my, you know, my, my local store is selling it for twice the cost, I can get it online. You should still buy local. That's, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, what I am saying is that like a, a, a 100% increase in the cost, twi- twice as much, is, is a lot, you know, and you're like, Holy cow, that's a huge savings for me. We're talking a thousand, two thousand, three thousand times the amount of, of money that they're making off of this. And it's it's so big that it's actually kinda of hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like they're charging you twice as much or even three times, thousands of times the amount that for of something money they didn't even for. pay for. Yeah. yeah. That's just the biggest slap in the face. Like if you listen to that clip and they're interviewing these uh, CEOs of water companies, you can tell just by listening just how smarmy they are. Mm -hmm. But just imagine watching the video. They have these stupid little smirks on their face like they can barely contain their laughter when they're being interviewed. Sucker. Totally condescending is uh, (laughs) very frustrating. Is that comparable to, say, paying $10 for, like, a big bag of rice um, in comparison to paying $30,000 for a big bag of rice? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you going to do, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or imagine imagine that gasoline was $1,500 a gallon. Hmm. (laughs) Oh. They're making out. They're making out on this. And and it's like, you know, sure, there are plenty of people that are aware of the scam. And so they've made this documentary about it. And, and we're talking about it. And other people are talking about it. But by and large, this is not really known, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, one um, of our chatters wants to know what we think about vitamin water. <laughs> if you consider vitamins, sterine, benzene, BPA. Oh, <laughs> What other lovely bromine, atrazine, <laughs> BPA? Yeah, yeah. No, vitamin water is a scam. I mean, the yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's a marketing gimmick. The the vitamins that they actually put in there are just super low quality garbage vitamins. Like, 
you know, the kind mm-hmm. you, you find at, on like drugstore shelves and things like that. It's, it, it's, and it's such minuscule amounts. I mean, you know, if they were actually to put any kind of valuable vitamins in there, it wouldn't taste very good. So, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's a scam. Yeah, it's I mean, like be... if you add vitamin C, if you, you know, you, uh, in fact, I came across a bottle of water today and uh, it said infused with vitamin C and zinc. Um, I tried some of that water and I couldn't taste any vitamin C. You know, it's yeah. like if you put some ascorbic acid in a bottle of water, you know about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be skeptical that they're even putting anything in it at all. I mean, you know, how do we confirm mm-hmm. this? They don't have to report it. Yeah. No. So you think they're going to spend a bunch of money on a, on a costly part of the process, you know, infusing the water with the extracted vitamins. No, because it's going to cut into their profit line. They're just bottling municipal water, putting the word vitamin on the label. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's just more marketing, right? I mean, when you've got basically once, uh, you know, a couple of these companies figure out this perfect scam, everybody else wants in on the game, but they want to sell more. So they're going to come up with better marketing because there is no difference between the product really at the end of the day. So they're just going to come up with different, you know, so you get all these ones coming, like coming from different places or different mountain streams or something, which they're probably not. And, you know, vitamin water is just one of those. Yeah. The flavor water, like how is that different than like a juice or like a pop or something like that? You know what I mean? It's like, Oh no, it's Uh not, you know, it's, it's, it's a water with an essence in it. It's not a soft drink. (laughs) It's just sugar. (laughs) Well, let's, well, uh, one of the well, interesting things that, about bottled water, too, and, and we don't want to hijack the whole show about environmental toxins, but is BPA, bisphenol A, and talk about the amount of money that's spent. Um, have a little quote here. BPA, the BPA industry, which, you know, consumers have been trying to get it out of bottles and I think in several states in the U.S., they managed to get it out of baby bottles and, and certain water bottles and replace it with another much more toxic chemical. But they spend $7 billion a year in advertising to say that BPA is safe. And so, really? and, and their whole, yeah, and their whole process is to basically say that you know it's such a minor amount it's not going to affect you the dose makes the poison and all this so it's money in that that documentary they were talking about how there there was that scientist who they did a study where they gave uh, a dose of bpa to rats that was 20 times lower i think than what you would find in in uh i don't know if it was specifically in bottled water but in like food containers and things like that and they still had an endocrine disrupting effect on the rats like a notable one so and that was 20 mm-hmm. times lower so how, how can they say like oh it's only a small amount well a yeah. small amount is still doing a heck of a lot yeah. and it's not even it's not even just bpa that you've got to worry about i mean um in the for love of water documentary uh, I'd recommend checking that out if if you guys haven't already watched it. Um, but they basically talk about a pesticide. It apparently, it's the most common pesticide used in the U.S. and it's called atrazine. And they say that when when this pesticide sprayed on fields um, and you eat it in vegetables and stuff, it passes through the body um, and it gets into the water supply. So 
when it's in the water supply, um, it's in your tap water or it's in your bottled water. And they also found that this was like an extremely powerful endocrine disruptor. Um, When they tested it on frogs, they found that the frogs demasculinized and, um, and they... They all like displayed feminine characteristics. The male ones did, and um, they, they posit that maybe this is one of the reasons, or you know, a contributing factor towards um, why there's such a low sperm count in in the U.S. For one, yeah. And just so our listeners know, atrazine is made in Switzerland by Syngenta, where it's been outlawed for years. And I know I've shared that on the show before. So this company makes this atrazine, and they can't even sell it in their own country. Hmm. Isn't Nestle Swiss as well? Yeah. Yes. What's yeah. going on in Switzerland? <laughs> 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 One of our chatters actually just mentioned that um, they've been trying out different uh, alkaline waters. Um, and he says it should be relatively easy to test, which is true. Um and the thing about alkaline water, though, is that it is just another marketing scam, as far as I'm concerned. The fact of the matter is the mm-hmm. human body isn't designed to drink alkaline water. Um, any source that you're getting water from in nature is not going to be alkaline. So you really have to – it's just kind of, uh, you know, banking on the whole acid-alkaline health myth that's out there right now. Um, so it's like – Yeah, and the body. Trying to alkalize. So, oh, well, this is alkaline water. That's even better. Um, but, you know, when you think about the fact that your stomach is acidic and needs to be acidic, then alka- <laughs> adding something alkaline to that is going to give you problems. And we had another chatter there say that they tried out different alkaline waters and it gave them really bad heartburn. Well, that's why. Because basically you're alkalizing yeah. a part of your body that needs to be acidic. So um, I would skip the alkaline water for sure. Yeah, and the body you- knows how to keep your pH within a certain range unless you're, like, on the verge of dying. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like H2O at its normal state has a pH of 7, right, which is neutral. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be. If you need, if you really feel the need to alkalize, put some baking soda in your water. I'd say don't do you that. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take an alkaline bath if you want to do that. Yeah. Put baking soda yeah. in your bathtub and, and soak in it. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, since Erica mentioned BPA and uh, we've talked about the, uh, the toxins that are in this, we have another clip from Tapped um, that's about uh, testing of the, the bottled water, the water that's in the bottles. And, you know, so since the corporations have no responsibility to uh, release the, you know, no legal responsibility to release these, these tests, um, there's a number of people who have taken it upon themselves to actually test the water. And there's some information about that here. So let's, uh, let's hear that and then we'll, we'll come back after. Most bottled water is produced in state and consumed in the state. And the FDA does not have control over those types of bottled water. Is it true that the bottled water maker is the one that does their own testing and then submits their reports to you? Bottled water manufacturers have to do their own testing on their own products and on their own sources. But the bottled water company isn't required to submit a regular report to you, correct? No, they are not required to. Every city provides a public water quality report that you can access online anytime. Bottled water companies are not required to make their reports available to the public. Those tests can stay hidden in company filing cabinets. They can stay in, you know, backup 
hard drives at bottled water companies, they don't have to be published. We've actually tried to use our Freedom of Information Act to get some of that uh, data, and uh, the, the FDA is very reluctant to honor citizens' organizations' FOIAs uh, at this time. Could you imagine what it would mean to the industry if something went wrong with any of these products? So they want to make sure that they're as pure as possible. Something's gone wrong many a time. Now, there have been many recalls. With water? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've never heard of any. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has recalled bottled water that may be contaminated with a microorganism that may cause vomiting or diarrhea. Bottles of the popular brand off the shelf. When we find out that there's something in our tap water that shouldn't be there, it's because it's constantly being tested. Tap water is regulated under the Environmental Protection Agency. And the EPA actually has health standards to which each municipal water provider is held. Municipalities have to test it many, many times a day. In a city, over a million has to be tested 300 times a month. In a city of 3 million and more, it has to be tested 400 times a month. So who are you going to go with? Half of one person at the Food and Drug Administration telling you that these billions of bottles of water are safe? Or are you going to go with municipalities who are testing the water many, many, many times a day? Who do you trust? When you're talking about the bottled water industry, you're talking about virtually no testing. And people have just assumed that what we're getting is safe. So we tested over a thousand bottles of water and found everything from arsenic to leaching from plastic bottles to bacterial contaminants. And really what we learned from this was that you really don't know what you're getting. Some people have gone to drinking bottled water literally because they are concerned about the water. And the problem is they're unaware of the fact that buying bottled water would not, is not necessarily safe, that you end up being exposed to other chemical compounds. Testers over the years have come up with all kinds of contaminants in bottled water that we wouldn't have found out about if people hadn't taken upon themselves to, to run the tests. In an independent test of bottled water, we sent seven brands to two separate labs. One to test America, and the other to Dr. Michael Summer, an environmental chemist. Then, to ensure there'd be no bias, Dr. King, an epidemiologist and toxicologist with Toxicology, Inc., analyzed the results. If you were to look at all the data I brought and you read everything, you'd be horrified. Horrified at what they found from, you know, vinyl chloride to butadiene to styrene, benzene. I mean, it's horrifying. The first group of bottles were tested straight off the shelves. Test America found in their analysis of the samples, toluene. Toluene is a constituent in gasoline and has been used in paint thinners. It's uh, a neurotoxic agent and is also linked to adverse reproductive outcomes. The second group was left in the trunk of a car for one week. Dr. Michael Summer tested some water samples from five different bottles and identified styrene in one of the samples. Styrene is a cancer-causing agent and can cause adverse reproductive effects. 
Dr. Summer also found three different types of phthalates. Phthalates can cause a dysfunction, particularly in the fetus, and can cause uh, adverse reproductive outcomes for males and females. It really concerns me when I see mothers blindly trusting bottled water and handing their children bottles of water, putting their complete trust in a product without so much as questioning, what am I giving my child? Yet we're putting so much faith in this industry that's completely self-regulated and that hasn't been held accountable by anyone. It's frightening. While single-serve bottles of water are made of PET, five-gallon water jugs are made of polycarbonate plastic, the primary ingredient being the controversial bisphenol A. Bisphenol A is the building block molecule that plastic that is hard and clear is made out of. And from this polycarbonate plastic, bisphenol A leaches, gets into the water. Bisphenol A may be one of the most potent toxic chemicals known to man. EPA is found in many products, including sports bottles, baby bottles, and water coolers. The problem is, bisphenol A acts at very low doses as an estrogen. The recent controversy over BPA started when members of the scientific community questioned the methodology of earlier studies. All regulatory agencies around the world are based on a concept from the 16th century. That is, the dose makes the poison. More is worse. That is not true for any hormone. We tested a dose 25,000 times lower than what anybody had ever tested. And we found that it profoundly damaged every single part of the male developing mouse reproductive system. There you go, Doug. That was 25,000 times yeah. lower. Yeah, I was a little yeah. off on that. <laughs> <laughs> so point being, you know, that uh, not only is this a scam, I mean, it'd be bad enough if they were selling water back to us at thousands of times the cost. Not only that, uh, but the water itself is, is further tainted by being in these mass-produced plastic bottles. Yeah, there was one article that um, uh, spoke about research done by the German Federal Institute of Hydrology. And apparently those guys tested um, 18 different popular bottled water products. And um, in their research, they actually identified 24,520 different chemicals in that water. Um, In 13 of the 18 bottled water products... Um, they exhibited a significant anti-estrogenic a- activity, much like BPA. And 16 of the 18 samples were found to inhibit the body's androgen receptors by 90%. Um, it said other chemicals found, um, other chemicals that were tested were found to have ante- antagonistic effect on hormonal systems. So in other words, um, the chemicals that are found in these water bo- 
bottled water products um, seriously screw with the body's hormones. And when you look at the statistics on thyroid disorders and reproductive disorders, um, you know, we have to look at it in context of everything else. But this is most certainly um, a contributing factor. You know, it, it has to be. And it's not bad enough by just avoiding the, uh, the bottled water yourself. You know, so many of these are being sold, and the, that plastic is then going into the environment, as we were discussing earlier in the show. And even when it's recycled, I mean, Elliot, you were saying before the show that a lot of times the uh, recycled bottles don't actually become bottles again. They get used in things like clothing. And then so every single time you're washing that clothing, little microplastic particles are, are going out into the, uh, into the water table. So uh, it's contaminating the entire environment with these endocrine disruptors. Yeah, I mean, even... even and we're paying like for on the it. North... <laughs> Yeah. We're paying to be <laughs> poisoned. Is it the Arctic or is it the Antarctic that's the North Pole? But they've actually been um, finding plastics in seals, in whales, um, in polar bears. You know, like there's this whole thing about save the polar bears. Well, when you're pumping plastics out into the environment all the time, like it's it's even affecting those rural, really remote areas of the world that no one even like lives in. <laughs> so this stuff is is spreading everywhere you know and it's, there's very little that we can actually do about it yeah yeah um well i guess uh you know since we've uh our our time is not we're, we're not done yet but we're we're coming up on on the end of our show so we have a limited amount left let's let's do our one last clip since we were just talking about you know plastic in the environment and then uh we'll come back and, and talk a bit more um, but we have another clip from Tapton. This is the last one. That's just about the um, the environmental impact of these plastics uh, being thrown away and and what they're doing uh, to the environment. We've been driving for about three hours trying to get to Camillo Beach, which is really the southernmost beach in the United States, and it's where away is. When you throw something away, it might be out of sight, out of mind to you, but This is where it ends up. Of the 80 million bottles of water we drink in the United States every day, many of them make their way to the sea where they're carried by ocean currents and end up deposited on some distant shore. This is the constituents of sand now. Instead of being coral and shells and rock, it's plastic. This is a beach of the future. This is what we are going to recreate in if we continue to pollute the environment with plastic. Future geologists, when they take core samples and they come to the 20th and 21st century, they're going to be finding a layer of plastic. And in areas like Camillo Beach, it will be the deepest of anywhere on Earth. If you eliminate the scourge of bottled water, you'll be eliminating one of the biggest problems facing our environment.
was a chemistry major at UC San Diego, and seeing the way our ocean was deteriorating and before my eyes, living right next to the bay where I grew up, I noticed that the water was not the quality that it was when I was a kid, and I wanted to find out more about it. So I started getting involved in the study of water quality, and I got my captain's license uh, and became a skipper of an oceanographic research vessel. And since 1995, we've been conducting oceanographic research all the way from Australia to central California. So we've been focused most recently in studying the North Pacific gyre and the accumulation of plastic debris there. Net, small net. Where's the, where's the black net? I need the black net. In the Central Pacific, we've discovered an area called the Eastern Garbage Patch, which is twice the size of Texas and has as its constituents uh, a huge soup of plastic. All our trash has been accumulated from Asia and the west coast of North America. Get that orange thing right there by you. These phenomena that we're seeing here are repeated in the North and South Atlantic, South Pacific, and in the Indian Ocean. And uh, we're just now getting a handle on how much is out there. Well, what we do is we go out to this gyre and we trawl a net. It just so happens that when we pull in that net, more than finding the plankton in the ocean, we're finding plastic. And so what we see here in this jar is a one-mile trawl out in the middle of the ocean, as far from land as you can get anywhere on Earth. And instead of it being clear ocean water with ocean animals, it's a plastic soup with more plastic than plankton. In 1999, we did a survey and found six times as much plastic as plankton. In 2008, we went back and did the exact same survey and found 46 times as much plastic as plankton. Our trash is filling up the ocean, turning it into a plastic soup, and those plastic particles are poison pills for the millions and millions of fish and invertebrates that are eating them. So you're actually finding the remains of water bottles in these Oh, absolutely. They're going into the most common fish we have out in the ocean, the lanternfish. They're consuming these plastic fragments that are these smaller sizes. We don't know how much plastic it's going to take to kill these fish, but I can tell you, uh, so far, the most we found has been 26 pieces in one fish. What you have is a gradual decline of the health of both us and the marine species. So, Elliot, to your point earlier, I think that, um, yeah, you know, it's just essentially it's just going to keep going. I mean, it's a dark view. It's hard to talk about, but I, I think that that is the case. Um, you know, and like he said, you know, the the beaches of the future will not, the sand will not be coral and rock. It will be plastic. Pain's a very depressing, depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 
doing the research for this show is just so frustrating and so depressing at the same time. Um, and it does kind of seem like um, we're limited for options, um, and I can't really see a way out, you know. Well, my fantasy is, this is just a, a way, way out there fantasy. <laughs> Everybody in the world just goes on a work stoppage. Not going to work, not buying anything, not watching TV. I'll go on a hunger strike if need be until this stuff stops. <laughs> That's my fantasy. <laughs> Shut it down. That way you hit everybody. Hit everybody in one shot. <laughs> or or maybe, uh, you know, maybe the only way to really sort of fix this thing, uh, which is probably more likely than, than people just stopping their jobs and stuff. <laughs> I, th- I think maybe, uh, like what you just said, hit them hard. Um, if, if, some, if something did hit humanity hard, you know, say like a comet or something, <laughs> and completely wiped out 90% of the Earth, then that would, that would give the Earth the, the opportunity to, <laughs> to, to, you know, to, to regrow and stuff. But otherwise... Uh, I don't see much hope for the plastic. That's it. (laughs) It's what's amazing to me is that like, um, so, you know, humans have been around for a while. Um, but you know, just, and of course, not even going into the whole like ancient civilizations thing that we don't know about, um, that, you know, you don't know other, you know, there may have been, uh, extinction events that, that are not recorded that, happened in, you know, full flawed civilizations that lived hundreds of thousands of years ago that we have no idea. Um, all of, even disregarding all of that, we have managed, and, and I say we, because, you know, I'm, I'm part of the problem. Uh, I did this too. Um, I've thrown away lots of plastic. I'm ashamed to say, but I have, uh, that, uh, you know, between, uh, just plastic alone, uh, but also, um, you know, environmental pollutants from industrial processes, radiation, all these kind of things have managed to uh, irreversibly damage the, the, the planet within, what, the last 100 years? Yeah. That's a conservative estimate, you know, maybe even like 50 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> just went on this, just went on this Mad Max spree, you know. It's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, how dark a turn we've taken in such a little amount of time <laughs> and how how devastating yeah. that has been uh do we have any good I mean, news erica cool. didn't you have good news we do have one bit of good news just one <laughs> <laughs> so uh in the month of june um we have an article up called we slayed the dragon pennsylvania community wins and as Nestle drops water extraction plans. And basically, uh, Monroe County, Pennsylvania, um, just had a victory. They were, uh, Nestle, of course, was trying to come in and take 200,000 gallons of water per day from a local township, Eldred Township. And the community resisted and they fought them off. Um, the entire village of Knuckletown, kind of an interesting name. Kunkletown uh, came together and slayed the dragon, and it's something we're really proud of. And that came on the heels of a similar 
uh, community defeat of Nestle in the Hood River Valley of Oregon. Uh, they stopped a years-long attempt by Nestle to extract up to a million gallons of water a year from Oxbow Springs. And um, I'll put the link up in the chat for for others to look at this. But also, um, they were talking about Nestle in California, how they're um, rallying outside of Riverside to challenge Nestle's bottle watering pipeline in the San Bernardino Forest. And then at the end, um, addressing such battles, Charles Pierce wrote at Esquire last month, if there is one element that cannot be turned over to whatever people believe market forces to be, it's water. It should never be commodified or sold off to make some investor wealthy far from the people who need it. That this ever needs to be argued is a measure of how far we've allowed corporate power to change us as a nation. Great so job. You have it. You know? <clears throat> it's a great point. So, so that's our one little... <laughs> So they're just like pirates or ravaging hordes of mongrels who descend upon a village and totally take it over. But now they're doing it in suits and carrying briefcases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, so it is a, a depressing view. Um, but, you know, there are small things uh, that we can do. And I, I think... Uh, what helps me is just trying to wrap my head around the idea that, okay, uh, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, fix this per se. Um, but it is not inconsequential and it is not unimportant, uh, to make my own small choices, uh, throughout the day, which, um, my girlfriend and I have been trying to do this, uh, certainly failing sometimes, but trying more and more, um, to like, say, when you go to the grocery store, um, you know, don't take the plastic bag. Uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, get a, get a cloth bag and bring it to the store. Um, once you do it a few times, you can remember to keep doing it. And if somebody asks, you know, you don't want to be that annoying person that points out that thing, that, that the bad thing at every turn. But if somebody asks you, you know, point it out <clears throat> be like, you know, I, I have this data about what plastic is doing to the environment. So I'm trying to use a cloth bag to do like a small part. You know, don't buy bottled water, get a reusable container and get a filter. You're actually going to save money by doing that. You might be like, oh, I don't want to spend money on this stuff. You're going to save tons of money if you just get a reusable container and a filter for your tap water, um, you know, and go from there. Like getting uh, a small like kitchen home distiller is not that expensive. And if you want to go for something yeah. fancy, you can get a reverse osmosis filter. And then even that is not that expensive. Um, it's yeah. definitely a step that's worth taking. Yeah. And if you go on long car, car trips, you know, when I used to travel, I'd bring my portable water bottle and then I'd bring like a couple of gallons, glass gallon jugs of water with me. Mm. So I don't have to stop somewhere and buy bottled water. That's good. Yeah. Mason yeah. jars work really good for that. Too. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something And fancy. also, you know, it's that. Uh, it may may sound cliche, but boycotting organizations like Nestle, I mean, they're one of the ones that we know about, you know, but they, they uh, own or lease over 50 springs in the United States, hmm. and they can control a third of the domestic market for bottled water. So, you know, if you have a hankering for 
their cocoa or anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> just don't buy their product yeah. at all. There are lots and of like alternatives. Jonathan said, if somebody asks, you just say they're evil. Why would you? You don't have to go into details. But... Yeah, it's not like the majority of us are going to go out and protest and hold signs, but we can silently protest in our own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you, like, yeah. you know, you don't want to, like, walk. If somebody's drinking bottled water, you don't want to, like, smack it out of their hand and be like, do you know what that is? You know? <laughs> You're killing the earth yeah. and babies <laughs> and the polar bears. <laughs> you can. You can, I think. You're decimating some... the male population. <laughs> Maybe that will get across to people. <laughs> I, I think in a, in a subtle way, you can just be like, hey, man, have you ever heard about the 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 plastic island in the Pacific ocean, you know, mm-hmm. and then go from there, just like start a conversation, um, make it, you know, cause as depressing it is, as it is, it is actually at least an interesting topic. And, you know, you can bring it up with people and be like, you know, do you know that you know, when you buy this water is the equivalent of you paying $1,500 for a gallon of gas? Um, mm-hmm. like, what, you know, so start small conversations. Um, uh, you know, start with your friends, you know, don't just like accost strangers in the store, but the people that, you know, um, you know, spread the information and who knows? I mean, the corporations are obviously very powerful. They're going to keep doing this for a while, but we can at least, um, stop contributing to the problem on our own, uh, personal level. I think, I think that is at least possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, and our um, recipe for today is water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today's recipe is get a, get a filter for your tap water. Yeah. Can you give us, a, give us know, the steps for that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you basically just uh, you turn the tap on, you fill up the filter, and then you're done. It's a pretty there easy one this time. There you go. <laughs> and try not to get a plastic filter. <laughs> I'd say uh, another thing, too, is, um, you know, be involved in what you consume. Uh, you know, if you are concerned about your tap water, your municipality releases a report of the quality. I just got mine in the mail the other day. They send you, a, at least for our, our water company, sends us a, a URL where we can go online and look at a, a PDF of the water quality report. And I can see right what's in there, you know. Um, and then I can, you know, I, I prefer actually get my water from a different source, but you know, I prefer to filter, uh, tap water. Um, but if you have like a well on your property, you're good to go. I mean, why, if you have a well, why are you even thinking about bottled water? That, that would be my thought. But, um, you know, I've, I've seen that too. I have friends who've lived on a farm, they have well water and they still buy bottled water. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? So yeah, I mean, you know, get get involved and and educate yourself about what you're what you're consuming. Uh, the information is there. Um, so, I guess uh, so we're coming up on our time limit here. Should we go to the uh, pet health segment for today, uh, and then we'll Sounds wrap up good. when we come back? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Pet Health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. 
My name is Zoya, and today I would like to share with you weird facts about cats and dogs. I already did something like this in previous shows, but you have to agree that there are many things that we can learn from our beloved furry companions. Some of the facts you also heard before, and some may come as a surprise. What's for sure, they are going to be educational. So here they are. Cats are lactose intolerant. Like most mammals, cats lose the ability to digest dairy after infancy. Therefore, feeding milk to a cat can encourage stomach upset and diarrhea. Dogs with squashed faces, or otherwise called brachiocephalic faces, have more health problems. The structure of the faces of pugs, boxers, and bulldogs make them more prone to respiratory problems, dental problems, and other health issues. Cats are capable of about 100 distinct vocalizations. Dogs are capable of about 10. All Dalmatians are born white. Their spots develop within the first weeks of life. And hunting is not an instinctive cat behavior. Surprise, surprise. If a kitten doesn't learn to hunt uh, from its mother or other cats, it's unlikely that it will ever will. But there are probably a lot of exceptions there. A dog's sense of smell is up to 100,000 times more sensitive than humans. While humans have about 5 million scent receptors in the noses, a blood hound has up to 300 million. Domestic cats sleep an average of 16 hours per day. In a while, cats that expend lots of energy hunting sleep, um, hunting sleep even longer. Only sloths spend more of their lives asleep. And another interesting fact is that dogs' only sweat glands are between the pads of their feet. They dissipate the majority of the heat by panting, a method far more effective than allowing moisture to evaporate from the skin. And apparently cats are either lefties or righties. Psychologists at Queen's University in Belfast discovered that female cats were more likely to favor their right paws, while male cats were more likely to favor their left. As with humans, some cats are ambidextrous too. And apparently dogs are only uh, one of two mammal species that have prostate glands. The other species, uh, humans. Calico cats are almost always female. The gene for coat color is uh, sex-linked, so to express both orange and black coloring, the cat must have two copies of the X chromosome. Rarely, uh, an abnormality produces a male cat with calico coloring, and these cats are always sterile. And apparently, dogs aren't really colorblind. They do see colors, just not as well as humans. And all kittens are born with blue eyes. They begin to change color about two weeks after their eyes open. Dogs' wet noses help them smell better. The mucus attracts and catches more chemical scent particles in the air. And as many already know, most blue-eyed white cats are born deaf. The Cornell College of Veterinary Medicine says about 65 to 85% are deaf. The only dog breed that doesn't bark is the Basenji. However, Basenjis do make other noises such as growls, whines, and even yodels. Cats don't meow at other cats. They reserve this sound for getting attention, not to mention food, from humans. 
dogs don't have clavicles. Their disconnected shoulder blades allow them a great range of motion for running and jumping. And when cats walk, their left front leg moves in tandem with their left back leg, and their right legs do the same. The only other animals that walk this way are giraffes and camels. And apparently domestic dogs can breed with wolves. The two, are, the two animals are still related closely enough that they can mate, producing feral offspring. Also, interesting fact, the proper name for a group of cats is a clouder. And a group of kittens is called a kindle. Therefore, when you ask for kindle for your birthday, don't forget to specify. It takes 18 muscles to move a dog's ear. The, this specificity of motion helps the dog pinpoint the origins of sounds much faster than a human can. And the last fact is both cats and dogs' noses are unique, like human fingerprints. It is becoming more and more common to take nose prints of dogs in case they are even ever lost or stolen. So this is it for today. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Soya. Let's go to drinking some good water. <laughs> uh, every time I hear that, I just I really want to get goats, huh? <laughs> so uh, they eat anything. <laughs> yeah. So that's our that's our show for today. We. Uh, you know, we, we went over a few things um, that you can do to kind of combat the problem. I think the main one being, if you're going to leave this show with anything, uh, I, I would say, number one, just quit buying bottled water. You know, just just do it yourself. Please, Filter for the it. love of God. <laughs> <laughs> quit, quit contributing to the scam. Uh, and, uh, you know... I don't mean to be on a soapbox either. This is for myself too, because I've, I've bought a bottle of, of bottled water as recently as like three days ago. You know what I mean? And it's just like, and, and I'm like, ah, it's just hard to get away from, but you, you need to, and I and all of us need to make that effort to, um, to use the water that we have to clean it ourselves, to carry it in a reusable container and quit contributing to this, uh, this problem. Um, and then I would say number two, uh, you know, talk to people about it, uh, is, you know, as tactfully and, uh, and as, as opportunistically as you can, you know, your friends, your roommates, your family, just bring it up, you know, cause a lot of people don't know, uh, that this is even a thing. Um, so I think just spreading awareness about it would be a good place to start. Yep. Yep. So, um, thank you, uh, for tuning in today, uh, to our listeners and especially to our chat participants. We had a pretty busy chat room today, so that was nice. Uh, be sure to tune into the SOT radio show on Sunday at noon Eastern time. Uh, and if you're in a, a different time zone, you can visit radio.sot.net and the time zone for your location will be shown there, uh, for when the show is going on the air, but, um, uh, you know, Sunday morning, go to radio.sat.net, check it out, see what time it is, and, and check the show out. Um, and we will be back uh, next week with another topic. 
uh, and we look forward to having Gabby back with us. Um, so in the meantime, have a great weekend, everybody. Um, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye guys. See you guys. <laughs>